Vacation Scheme application process is exposing Indian law students to a new world of opportunities, especially on the international level. How about we learn from this from someone who has not just aced the law vacation scheme application process, but has also proved his mettle with LNM application and law school performance. Hello and welcome to the One Take Show, a podcast where we celebrate incredible conversation with phenomenal people. My name is Kausup Shivasav and joining me today is Mr. Pranay Nath Lekhi. Pranay is a legal advisor to Allen and Overy. He is an LLM candidate for Cambridge University. In this episode, Pranay and I are going to talk about his journey through law school, his experience with LLM application process for Cambridge University, and his strategy for vacation schemes, which can be an instrumental figure for finding opportunities with the leading international law firms. If you like this idea, stay tuned to the very end of this episode because it is going to add so much value to everything that we know about vacation schemes and how we can explore the various opportunities that can open up for us. If you want to watch this podcast, you can always tune into our YouTube channel called The One Take Show. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, make sure you reach out to me. And so ladies and gentlemen, let's start the podcast. All right. Welcome to The One Take Show, Pranay. I am uh, so happy to have this opportunity to talk to you. I think uh, my first stint at uh, having this conversation with anyone over uh, these online communication mediums that have now surfaced was with you and it was an absolutely enriching experience for anyone who tuned into our webinar. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule and thank you so much for creating my podcast. Thank you so much, Kostov. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and you're doing some great, great work making full use of your quarantine. Uh, yes. Very, very inspirational. Right. Uh, before we move ahead, I first would like to congratulate you on your new feat. I think uh, moving from future joiner to legal advisor for Alan and Obi is itself uh, uh, sort of a benchmark for inspiration. And if I am like any other law student, I'm trying to do anything. It's because seniors like you have uh, started setting benchmarks. So thank you so much for that. That's very kind. Right. So uh, this conversation, I think it's very important for a lot of law students because uh, learning from uh, like our seniors has been a very staple source of inspiration and guidance for every law student. I think you would agree. Your journey in law school has been quite very prolific. You've had uh, good runs with multiple activities and uh, various areas. So I won't get much into that, but I would love to know about your version of the story. Like how was your journey in law school and what all things did you engage with? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because my journey started in a very stunted fashion. So I'm a two-time CLAT giver. Right. So in my first attempt at CLAT, I got a rank that I probably, I mean, there were too many digits for me to remember and I got no national law school. Uh, so I spent uh, one year at uh, Amity, mm -hmm. at uh, Amity Law School, Delhi as it then was. I think now it's shut. But right. I remember thinking to myself, because I've, I've always been very passionate about law. It's, it's the only profession I've seen myself uh, succeed mm -hmm. in. But, um, which is why I felt that you know, because of my passion, I just felt that I deserved to be in an environment that was very conducive to legal education. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, Amity was going through all sorts of mayhem. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a very difficult one year for me because I was transitioning from school where I used to do debates. Yeah. Uh, I used to 
engage in model UN um, and be engaged in many activities in school. Uh, and I was relatively decent in my academics as well. Right. Uh, and from suddenly from that experience, I went into this bubble of amity in Noida where I was traveling two hours every day to an mm -hmm. institution that I really couldn't uh, engage with. So I thought to myself that I always knew I was going to give the cat the second time. Uh, but I, that one year was very, very important to me because it made me realize that if I do get another opportunity mm -hmm. in another institution, I am going to make sure that I'm grateful for that opportunity and take full advantage of it. So right. I'm going to make sure that every single thing that I commit myself to, I'm mm -hmm. going to give my best and more because my experience at Amity was not satisfactory enough for my passion for the subject. So right. in many ways, when I reflect on where I am today, I always mm -hmm. look back at that one year that I spent uh, in Noida and mm -hmm. look back very fondly at it because I know it's very easy for uh, law students to get very dejected by the universities and the surroundings that they're in. Now that university can be a top tier national law school or any private university for that matter. Disillusionment is something that comes very easily. True. But I think when you're passionate about the subject and you engage in your interests, automatically life becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So which is why my, my activities and my performances in NUJS were mm -hmm. a direct consequence of my gratitude for right. pretty much getting out of Amity. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I think uh, a lot of law students who take LAT uh, at some point of time, like I know a lot of my uh, batchmates and RML also have dropped. I myself had uh, to drop a year. Uh, but that, as you said, gives us a perspective when, it, when we enter the law school and we start appreciating the benefits that we gain. This brings me to a very uh, interesting facet of yours. In NUJS, uh, you've had good runs with moots and various activities. What other activities did you particularly engage with? Uh, so I, in NUJS, I did mooting, I did a bit of debating, mm -hmm. uh, I did some research writing, uh, but it was primarily my activities ranged from, in co-curricular activities ranged from mooting and debating. Uh, mm -hmm. Then I dabbled in a little bit of sports just for the sake of it, because I just enjoyed spending time with my friends. Mm -hmm. It was majorly mooting and debating. And the reason for that is primarily because I, again, because I came with such a clear vision when I came to NUJS that I know that I need to do X, Y, and Z things. So right. when I was in my first year, I was never thinking about my second year. I was right. always thinking, where am I going to be at the end of five years? Right. Do I see myself doing an LLM? Do I see myself joining litigation, which has always been a passion of mine? So it was always a long-term goal that I was looking at. So every activity that I did had right. a utility and a shelf life. Mm -hmm. So for instance, for mooting, uh, I thought to myself, okay, what is the most what is the biggest moot that I could do? Uh, right. I was always interested in international law. So for international law, the biggest moot that I thought I could do was Jessup. Mm -hmm. uh, so every moot that I tried to do before that was a means to get to Jessup. Right. So I began with Manfred Lacks and then I did Stetson and then I did Jessup as my third moot. And after Jessup, I did no moot. So I've only basically done three moots right. because I knew that after doing Jessup, the utility of mooting as an, as an activity runs away from me. It, right. it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. um, which is very interesting because in my law school, at least, and I'm sure it's true for all law schools, mm -hmm. a lot of these activities become bubbles. Yeah. So students who do well in these activities automatically become the it kids, yeah. the stars of 
college mm-hmm. um and uh it's 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 very funny when i look back at it because you know it's very easy to think of college being this and your life being college it's yeah. very easy to think that if you do well at three moots if you're heading certain committees mm-hmm. um you automatically are going to do really well at the end of five years it's i i've always found that very fascinating how people mm-hmm. think uh like that um so for me it was completely opposite uh when i when i figured out that okay i've done three debates where i've done relatively well in where i've gotten okay i've gotten a best speaker in a couple of debates i thought that's enough for my cv so right. if a potential recruiter looks at my cv or if a future institution for the llm looks at my cv they would know that okay he's decent at this activity right so it was always a case of using an activity as a means and not an end in itself so it was mm-hmm. never about oh i'm going to get some social capital in my university and become the it boy it was more about okay how can i use this activity to right. further my resume and like really mm-hmm. make my cv very potent so everything was very uh, utility based for me it was very right. instrumental and um that that is why so i dabbled in activities till the time that i thought that i had enough to show for them and then i stopped every activity i discarded them so i did not move um after mm-hmm. jessup i did not debate after a couple of debates just for fun i did couple with my friends but that was about it so the major intention behind every activity that you undertook was primarily uh, as to what efficacy those activities have essentially when it comes to uh, your cvs or the kind of value that they add uh, it yeah. was strictly Mm-hmm. yeah it would probably be a little simplistic to put it that way because i i was so i was honestly interested in those activities right, right. so right. for yeah. instance for me it was debating for someone else it could be negotiation or mediation right. but my point is even when you engage in activities you like mm-hmm. know that those activities have a shelf life i'm sure very often students are told especially in law schools that you know a real courtroom is nothing like a moot right you get no experience of arguing in front of a courtroom if you do a moot right. to some extent it's actually very true because mm-hmm. you know that these are college activities right they, yeah. these are university activities where undergrad students are uh, taking part in them or mostly undergrad students are taking part in them so yeah. their real life utility is relatively limited mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't mean they're non existent but it means that when you're doing something that you like know for what purpose you're doing it so if you're engaging in negotiations mm-hmm. then don't think of engaging in negotiations to win a competition think right. that you're going to get a skill that will help you at some corporate table sometime in the future when right. you're doing a massive deal for instance right. so take these activities as skill sets that you can incorporate that's at least how i've always thought about it that that actually takes a lot of pressure off uh, when when we see these activities we engage with uh, the fact that we need to uh, do good in moods or uh, the rush uh behind I, this is a very healthy sort of a perspective when it comes to these competitions this also you you mentioned you've had a very clear vision i think uh, this is uh, this is very interesting to me you've had a very clear vision before you entered a law school and for like entire 5 years you had a very clear vision now uh, i amongst like also uh, other friends of mine who who possibly do not have that kind of a vision how do we develop that kind of a vision how do we see and develop our interest is there any strategy that we can use yeah uh, absolutely i mean of course you don't enter in i i was a unique case because i already had one year experience yeah. in law school i had an right. elder brother who was in nujs as well who was there mm-hmm. to guide me i had life experiences to draw upon i had right. 
my father who is a litigator and I, I mean the environment for me was very conducive right. it was definitely a privileged environment where i could figure out my likes and my dislikes and understand essentially where i see myself at the end of 5 years not everyone has that same privilege but right. of course if i may give you an example um i was never ever intending on applying to any international law firm right uh, i never saw that as a goal for myself Mm-hmm. at best what i saw at the end of 5 years i'm going to do an llm and then come back to india and start litigating that was the original right. plan for me. um but it's very important to have that vision to keep yourself flexible and mm-hmm. see how your likes develop over your years in law school yeah. uh so it was only in i think the end of third year beginning of fourth year that the vacation scheme applications opened up mm-hmm. um I did a lot better in my academics than I ever expected to do when I joined law school. Right. Uh and automatically I was again in in I spoke to my brother uh and he told me that I have a very good chance of getting through these international law firms and mm-hmm. gaining an experience that I could probably not get while I am in India at least on the international arbitration and dispute resolution side. Um so just for that reason right it was one day before the allen and overy applications deadline that i decided that i'm going to uh, mm. fill these applications right. so i guess what what i would advise someone who's trying to develop a vision for where they see themselves in 5 years is mm-hmm. that invariably all law school environments have a very potent student body so you have seniors who you will find are interested in the widest variety of subjects who engage in multitude of activities exceptionally entrepreneurial people mm-hmm. in every single law school i i i genuinely notice this it doesn't matter which law school you belong to but right. the student bodies are invariably exceptionally brilliant right. uh, it's just the opportunities that are varying mm-hmm. uh, so see your environment see what people are doing in your first couple of years find your footing right understand what you like and what you dislike you can mm-hmm. figure out what you like for instance from a moot you can figure right. out what you like from a classroom discussion mm-hmm. i know so many people who have gone into ipr by virtue of what they studied in class they found technology very interesting they loved the idea of patents and copyright mm-hmm. uh and they have gone into that field and specialized in that field very similar with competition they know that the big ticket matters are there everyone's talking about it and they develop an interest for competition so it's very important to be aware of yourself and i think as soon as you become aware of yourself and you know what you like and you dislike figuring out where you see yourself after 5 years becomes relatively easy right. so and and it's very important to understand that there is no ideal type of law school journey so there's not like oh your law school journey is incomplete if you've never tried a moot mm-hmm. or your law school journey is incomplete if you've never participated in an external competition right uh every individual law student has a unique law school journey and you would invariably be successful if you end up doing something you like so it does not need to take your first year or even your second year it can be the day before you graduate if you found a passion that you're really interested in there's more than enough time for you to pursue those goals so 
I guess the key would always be be very aware of what you like and what you dislike and right. be very aware of your own capacities and your own limitations. Mm-hmm. That, that's very important. One of the fact, one of the statements that you've mentioned here is uh, that we need to find to, in, or, in order to somehow identify the areas that we want to somehow work with. Like, for example, yours was the international law uh, dispute resolution in other spheres. We need to explore the opportunities and one of the ways is to either do moots, research papers or readings and possibly put in a lot of effort so that that can actually help us build a lot of vision. Well, this brings me to uh, a rather uh, interesting aspect of your journey, uh, your uh, your experience with Cambridge uh, University. But before we get into the LLM application, something a very selfish question here: your uh, your speech, your debate speech uh, at uh, Cambridge Union uh, at uh, the Majesty's government was absolutely wonderful. I absolutely loved it. I think that 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 platform to have that opportunity to speak is every debater's uh, dream. How was this experience like before we get into anything else? I would love to know how was this experience? No, it, was, mm-hmm. it was absolutely fantastic. I, I knew that as soon as I got my Cambridge acceptance that uh, debating at the Cambridge Union was priority number one for me. It's, it's, I mean, we've all seen the Oxford Union debates yeah. uh, on YouTube, the exceptional quality of oratory. And uh, I, I mean, for me, there was, there was no question about uh, or any doubt in my mind that if I got the opportunity, I was definitely going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was again, very interesting. Cambridge has a very unique uh, setup where they allow students to audition on either side uh, mm-hmm. in order to debate, um, which is unlike Oxford, which is I, I, from what I know at least. Um, so students can come and audition in order to get their chance to speak at the union floor in the main debate. Mm-hmm. And I landed in Cambridge just the day before the auditions were announced, I had become a member of the Cambridge Union as soon as I got my acceptance. So that's the first thing that I did. Um, I joined the union, so I was getting all the updates. Um, and uh, I got the notification that the auditions for the no confidence debate are happening on the day after that I landed in Cambridge. And uh, I applied for it. The no confidence debate is an annual staple. It is one of the big things that happens at the Cambridge Union. It's first debate, it's open to all. So mm-hmm. I reached for the audition and here I was an Indian student debating in favor of Boris Johnson remaining in power in the parliament at a time when the Supreme Court has passed this judgment and prorogation mm-hmm. um, in a university like Cambridge, which is definitely labor dominated. Uh, I could hear the whistles and the oohs and the ahs. Um, on both sides, in fact, and um, it, it, eventually it all went through really well. And uh, um, I got my place over there and I had superb fun giving the speech. Um, I had a fantastic dinner before that, mm-hmm. uh, where we were given very exotic dishes. And it felt like the money that I spent on becoming a member of the Cambridge, a lifetime member of the Cambridge Union was very well spent. It was, as you said, it's, it's one of the dream things that a debater really thinks about um, when they're in law school, at least. Well, that was, that looked very wonderful. I think uh, the video itself speaks for, uh, and not just the video, I think the argumentation was exceptional. I won't get much into this, but I will most certainly link that video down in the description because everyone needs to listen to your argumentation when it comes to the democratic values of election and vote bank and the adult franchise and all the case that you built for, uh, for a democratically elected government. 
but yes a wonderful debate and a wonderful opportunity this Thank brings you. me to uh, to uh, your application process and um, uh, i am sure you must have been asked this question a lot of times but uh, this is one concern that keeps running when it comes to the application process especially with the changes uh, that are happening right now uh, when it comes to uh, application process for a university like cambridge uh, if you could like very briefly tell me about a certain strategy you had with sops lors or your essays or any of those things yeah um so lors was basically um you don't pick big names mm-hmm. uh, invariably most law students these days have an internship with a judge in the high court or the supreme court they have an internship with a litigator and they have an internship with a law firm that's usually the pattern that is followed for most law school work experience cv so but it's important to have a good work experience someone who supervised your work their recommendation mm-hmm. and uh, for cambridge specifically you require two academic references uh, so it has to be your teachers which is another reason why you should definitely be on good terms with your teachers right. Right? there's there's no advantage that you get out of being a class clown when you have to go running for uh, them giving you lors um, so um, there's no harm in uh, being nice to your teachers and i'm sure like in law school most of us share a very special relationship with at least a couple of teachers who have mm-hmm. daughters or who are in our university so it's always very important uh, to cultivate that and um, make sure that you have very strong lors because invariably it, it is the lors play a very important role in your eventual application being successful and a strong lor would invariably get you through even if there are minor shortcomings in your actual application um, mm. the cambridge application was relatively straightforward it began with um, um, statement of intent for um being eligible for the scholarships that cambridge offers and cambridge offers a very wide variety of scholarships of uh, institutional and it's part of the application itself so you have to write an essay on why you think you're eligible for those then it moves on to the second part where it asks you about your career goals which is a very short or 200 word paragraph on where you see yourself and uh things like that why why the llm would help you then the core chunk of the application is the your core reasons for applying in mm-hmm. which you have to justify how cambridge would assist you in achieving the future goals that you've already mentioned then along with the application itself you have the gates essay uh, the gates scholarship essay that's been attached so you have to that's a proper statement of purpose that you have to write cambridge does not have if you don't apply for the gates you don't necessarily have to write a statement of purpose you have to write your reasons for applying so there's a slight difference between the two statement of purpose is essentially your intent and what you've done mm-hmm. uh, and things you've achieved so you have to focus on the four elements that have been mentioned on the gates website about how you have academic rigor you've, you've done social work you uh, have greater public purpose your core reasons for applying for cambridge are a little more specific than that of course you highlight your own achievements but mm-hmm. then you also have to suggest about how cambridge can supplement those achievements so the cambridge application is relatively straightforward it's always good to have multiple eyes look at your applications people who have already gotten an llm i mean it's a sure shot way of understanding what works if you can get an, get your hands on their applications it yeah. always helps um but it's also very important and i say this even for the vacation scheme applications that don't try to parrot what someone else has done before mm-hmm. and definitely don't try to exaggerate what you have done so if you have been a part of a college initiative 
to let's say feed certain people mm-hmm. don't try to say that you have uh, ended hunger in the city right it it's it's very easy to exaggerate the things that you've done uh, in the hope that no one will find out but the admissions committee's entire process is built upon trying to figure out who's being genuine who's being honest whose achievements make the most sense and uh, who would be a good fit in the environment uh, as well so that's that's a very important thing to keep in mind definitely highlight everything you've done but do not exaggerate and be true to yourself and that's a sure shot way of getting through a good university and just just at the end uh, i mean i i in my opinion i think a lot is made out of getting an llm uh, because in my opinion invariably if you are a relatively decent student uh, in law school you will get through a university for a masters uh, the only question is which university will you get into um, with some amount of work experience even if you've not been an academically stellar student in university if you've got a sufficient body of work experience in a good um, institution or even as an independent counsel uh again it's almost a sure shot of you getting through a decent university for the masters so never stress too much about the applications right right that's that's i think that's a wonderful uh, systematic piece of advice of yours because uh, there are multiple areas here sops lors and all of these things are very confusing very challenging for a lot of law students who are trying to somehow strategize their way and uh, as you mentioned that there are ways to somehow uh, repair the damage that has been done through work experience or somehow try to improve the quality while also being genuine which is extremely uh, important in this entire application process this brings me to uh, uh, the main main uh, conversation point here today is uh, your huge success with uh, vacation schemes and uh, your uh, journey with vacation scheme and how it all went i think vacation scheme is still quite a new concept for uh, law schools uh, perhaps the law schools which which have uh, law students coming from different backgrounds so let's say the law schools not in the first year vacation scheme is still a distant dream or something which is not very uh, known so what was your journey like and uh, how did you go about with vacation schemes yeah so as i told you i i was never intending to apply for the vacation schemes yeah. uh before one day, one day before the allen and obri applications was supposed to go in um but i think the good thing about these um the vacation scheme applications is is that you can have no qualms of being honest about yourself so right. uh essentially it's a law firm job you don't need mm-hmm. to impress uh anyone with aspects that probably would have a greater purpose uh you can be very very true and very honest of your achievements uh but that being said um for me my vacation scheme application process was a uh, pretty straightforward it it required an understanding of the law firms that i was applying to um i had the benefit of being in nujs which had a very close relationship with hsf Uh, i think when i was there we organized the 10th year in my 5th year we organized the 10th year of the hsf move so for 5 yeah. years i had the opportunity of physically interacting with uh the chairman of the india practice of hsf who mm-hmm. um takes the interviews uh in the assessment center um and i i always knew hsf was a fantastic dispute resolution firm 
So I knew that if I had to apply for a vacation scheme, it would probably be at HSF because mm. I was always only interested in disputes and in primarily international dispute resolution. Uh, so I didn't even think of applying for ANO, um, but then ANO came through and um, I, I honestly, I, I never expected to get through because mm. you can't have any expectations out of these applications. Um, I remember the ANO application had that their primary application had four questions about why you want to join ANO, uh, a skill that you have gained, um, and a skill that you think a trainee should have, uh, a goal that you work towards, and how do you think the legal market will change in the next ten years? And just by seeing those questions, I, I, in my uh, opinion, I, I got very excited by those questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I researched about Alan and Overy and uh, see their status as the youngest magic circle law firm, uh, see the sort of work they're doing with technology and law, uh, see their incubation unit infuse, I was, I was exceptionally, exceptionally impressed. So for me, it was a shot in the dark. I, I, I finished my applications two minutes before the deadline, two minutes after the deadline, in fact, and I sent it in not knowing whether it was accepted or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, for me, while writing the application, it was just about how I actually feel mm-hmm. uh, my strengths are and how I think the legal market will develop. It was only after that, when I was doing my actual vacation scheme in London, that the very amazing HR team at ANO forwarded this pie chart to the Indian uh, vacation scheme students who were there, which highlighted the five essential skills they expect a trainee to have. Mm -hmm. And those five skills were commercial awareness, if I remember it correctly, uh, being flexible, um, being keen to learn, Mm -hmm. working well in a team, and being organized, right? So these five essential skills are most important to highlight in any vacation scheme application. I, ANO sent it to us, but I think it's equally applicable to any vacation scheme that you mm-hmm. apply to. It is only in retrospect. So I did not know that these are the five skills you're supposed to highlight when I was writing my applications. Right. But it was only in retrospect that when I, when I look back at my application, I felt that I did a great job of highlighting it without knowing it. Mm-hmm. So the question that I got about what is the one skill do you think a trainee should have? I said that the one skill that I think the trainee should have is being inquisitive. So I think they should be very keen to ask questions and learn. And without realizing, I was highlighting the skill of being keen to learn. Um, similarly, where, when do you, how do you think the legal market will develop over the last uh, in the last in the next ten years? Um, I said that clients would look for more integrated solutions, including access to litigious institutions in different. Uh, jurisdictions, so a more wholesome package with lower costs. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, in my opinion, it, it reflected commercial awareness. But these are things that I did not, I did not really think them through as oh, I'm reflecting commercial awareness, or oh, I'm reflecting keen to learn and working well in a team and things like that. Uh, but I guess it just goes to show that a successful application would be one that reflects how you have incorporated those five core skills uh, in your work life as an undergraduate student. So how have you done it through your academics? How have you done it through your internships? 
and how can you reflect it on your applications as well right right so that's uh, i think this gives us overload an idea as to what exactly is to be expected out of this entire application process or the entire process of vacation schemes if today someone was going to apply for the vacation schemes let's say from a second year third year law school what advice would you have like as far as strategies are concerned or some heads up as to what what all things to look forward to or what all things to prepare in advance yeah uh, i i guess the first and foremost point would be uh don't be don't at all feel insecure okay. right don't don't think i'm applying from a second tier third tier law school whatever that means i mean i don't think there are any tiers mm-hmm. in law school um a student is uh who they are on by by their own merit and not by the merit of the institution at all uh right. so don't don't have it don't have it in your head that i what institution that i belong to you're not representing your institution you're representing yourself right mm-hmm. so have that initial confidence that my application can be and will be successful when it competes with anyone else in the country right mm-hmm. so that's the first thing of having a degree of self confidence uh the second thing is uh you know every law student's experience is very unique in law school so mm-hmm. try to reflect what you have done that you think that others have not done mm-hmm. right so right. for instance for me i was exceptionally lucky uh, to have worked with an international law firm prior to applying for my uh, vacation scheme applications yeah. and in my head i thought that this is this one thing that i have that i feel other applicants would not have that mm-hmm. i could say that because i have worked at an international law firm before i know how it works and i would be comfortable in that environment uh, therefore i would be a better candidate than mm-hmm. the other applicants right mm-hmm. for me it was my work experience for someone else it could be uh being a class representative or being um having some other work experience at an ngo for instance uh yeah. where they were able to reflect their skills but have the ability to reflect on your own uh resume and think about what is the one thing that helps me stand apart uh yeah. and that is the second essential aspect because again i was told by hr that you know indian law students have this tendency of really uh being very involved in moots so yeah. invariably she would get an application that would suggest that some sort of successful participation in moots has happened so yeah. there's this one question about when have you reflected teamwork how do you work well in a team and people in skills sometimes right they work well in a team and when they are asked to give an example of that they automatically say moots Mm-hmm. moot court yeah. and um or some other co-curricular activity so it's it's important to understand that if you've done moot then there's so many moots that happen in the country and around the world that someone else also would have done it so it's not really a usp for you um however if it is a moot that you've done relatively well at of course feel free to highlight that as well uh, but invariably for your co-curricular and extracurricular achievements you are always given a column right uh so you don't need to push that into your application your application should reflect your personality right so if you've done a moot don't focus on i have done a moot and i've done well focus mm-hmm. more on what participate what does participating in that moot reflect on yourself so how does it reflect your personality that right. oh i participated in a moot when i had my exams going on 
mm-hmm. and as a consequence of my moods i had to miss one whole semester of exams mm-hmm. and then eventually when i had to write my exams i had to write nine exams together right mm-hmm. so the and i did well at my mood and i did well in my academics so what nice. this reflects about me is that i know prioritization right mm-hmm. so you use moods not for the sake of the activity and reflecting your achievements in it but showcasing that aspect of your personality that was developed as a consequence of participating in those activities so nice. that's always a good uh, technique of trying to reflect yourself on your answer in your answers okay. um so that's about it i think those three basic points about having self confidence being unique and reflecting your personality would invariably hold you in very good stead irrespective of whichever institution you come from um the recruiters never look at your institutions mm-hmm. of course if they have past experience recruiting from those institutions they know those universities so you might have a slight advantage but again that does not in any way mean that someone from a different law school would not have the opportunity of getting through it just doesn't work like that right right i think this uh, this entire strategy itself is very useful for every law student who would uh, one day or the other consider applying for the vacation schemes i think this opportunity opens up uh, a lot of doors and a lot of uh, areas where we can explore uh, but uh, i believe this explanation of yours and this uh, entire uh, idea of yours about the strategy is very helpful to everyone uh, thank you so much pranay i think uh, this entire conversation will add tremendous amount of value uh, before we close this off do you have any uh, last words for our listeners i would just uh, thank you kostub this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation um, and i would hope that everyone who's listening uh just is unafraid and is keeping safe and well and um, mm-hmm. there are very uncertain times across the world so uh don't don't put too much pressure on yourselves and uh, be assured of the fact that whatever you do you're mm-hmm. definitely going to be successful if you're doing something you like and you enjoy uh, so make sure that you follow your passions and that was very sage like of me and very unnecessary at my <laughs> age <laughs> but that's right what but trust me we uh, we'll take that advice we'll get from anyone from anywhere uh, the uh, the idea that uh, somehow we can still function in a in a time like this is really uh, really helpful but thank you so much pranay thank you so much i i believe uh, this conversation will add a lot of value to anyone who listens to this conversation so thank you so much for this opportunity i had a wonderful time i hope you had a good thank time you. too absolutely gosto thank you very much thank you thank you so much pranay Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for this amazing conversation. The One Take Show is now available on ten platforms. If you want to watch this conversation, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The One Take Show. Please consider rating this podcast if you use Apple Podcasts, so that I can reach out to more and more people. If you have any suggestions and feedbacks, make sure you reach out to me. I would absolutely love that. And ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourselves. Stay strong. I'll see you next time.